You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. My name is Elle. And I'm Jared. You are listening to The New Leaf Project. And today we want to talk about cynicism. We want to talk about the good parts of it and the bad parts of it. I know it might sound weird to think that there are good parts of cynicism, uh, and I want to be limited in the way that I talk about the good parts of cynicism. Um, and I also want to talk about the bad parts because I th- those are uh, those might seem a bit more obvious, but they are real challenges to church plants and to starting new things. Because sometimes, L, I have noticed in myself and in the hearts of other people, cynicism that drives the things that they do. I've been in, in, a, in a cynical mode. Uh, I've sometimes said, I'm going to do this uh, because I don't want to be that. I right. define myself by what I'm not. And there is a cynicism out there about the church that I think in some ways, L, I think it's justifiable. Um, there is a, a falseness and a hypocrisy to Christian community that needs to be called out and needs to be talked about, but it isn't the whole story. And I see not having the whole story as being pretty significantly destructive to to me and to those around me. And so, so that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. Is there um, is there a time that you feel you've you've journeyed through cynicism? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, many times, and I, I this is probably an ongoing uh, problem that I suffer with. Um, but you know, early on in in uh, in my twenties, I remember actually probably even in my late teens when I started going to Bible college, uh, and I would take a course on say where the Bible came from, the original languages, uh, and I remember thinking to myself during these classes, like, how come nobody ever told me that the Bible was written in Greek and the Bible was written in Hebrew, and that. Uh, somebody had to interpret those words to me, and I've never, and we've never found the original letter by Paul. It's this is stuff that's been passed from person to person, and and the more that I learned about what actually constituted my faith, what actually uh, was behind my faith, understanding some of the doctrines that I had grown up with from a historical perspective, all of that. Um, enraged me and I felt like I had been uh, I had been sold a bill of goods or not at least not lied to but not told the whole truth mm-hmm. and it it really I responded very very cynically to that and it was a major problem it was a major problem for me it really affected my relationship with God how about you what happened to you in this well, not to throw cynicism. right, not to throw Bible college under the bus, but <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> uh, probably. I mean, the biggest uh, season of my life where I struggled with cynicism really did come out of Bible college, and similar uh, to your story, but in, in 
I think the the reactionary response for me really came from uh, the church that I was attending at the time that would um, was large evangelical charismatic and um, uh, probably would have been like a prosperity light. I suppose, in its teaching and influences. And I read a book by Shane Claiborne um, uh, and uh, talking about being an ordinary radical and simp- simp- you know, simple living and uh, mm-hmm. just reorienting our lives around service uh, to the poor. And um, I, I, yeah, I became, um, so I thought, righteously uh, indignant of everyone and everything. I wouldn't say there was much righteousness in it now in hindsight, but um, I became very cynical um, of the church and its practices and, and its people. And, you know, the irony was I became the exact kind of person that I was saying that I was against, um, right. just in right. a different way. And I don't think I was, well, I know I wasn't very uh, loving when I would challenge people or ask them questions. Uh, I definitely uh, thought that I had had this revelation and um, had all the answers. And really the same as you described, I could very clearly articulate what I did not want in my faith, um, what I did not want to be about. I could name to you a million things that I thought were wrong. But if you were to have sat me down at that time, I really probably wouldn't have had a clear vision for what I wanted to be about uh, and the things that I wanted to see happen. Um, And I think um, for me, I think I came to a place where I had to stop complaining about the church as I saw it. And I had to become the church that I was dreaming of. And that took I couldn't stay in cynicism to get there. It was difficult to think about building and growing and loving and living in the blood and sweat and joys of life with a cynical heart because uh, for me, I found if my orientation was always bent that way, then it was going to be hard to see the positive. It would be hard to embrace the building um, because I was so used to deconstructing things that um, if I stayed that way, I would probably struggle reconstructing things. So um, it's been a, that was probably my biggest struggle with cynicism, but I would also say, as you had said, uh, it's, I can see it being an ongoing struggle uh, as we move forward in our our life. And I, and I think that's part of the journey of being a Christ follower is that we come in and out of those times of wrestle, struggle, fight, but then we, you know, enter into seasons of growing and transcending and including. And um, I think that that's actually perhaps a, a normal rhythm of life, but um, to stay in that cynical spot is, uh, that's a tough place to be in. It is. And, I, and you know, it's something that I encounter in, in a lot of, uh, in a lot of church planting efforts as well. Um, churches that uh, begin because they don't want to be like something. They don't want to be like other Christians. And, and, I'm very sympathetic to that. And I think there is something, there's a form of unreleased godliness, I think, in cynicism. It's a, it, 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 it's, it's an, an, an attempt to honestly wrestle with the world. But the, the, the challenge for me is that it always turns into a system of self-righteousness for me. That, that um, my, 
pointing to what's wrong with the world always becomes, in some ways, uh, what's wrong with other people and why I'm getting it right. And there's, right. A, there's a sort of pridefulness that comes out of this cynicism. And one of the things I actually encourage church plants to do when they're first starting out, because they're going to be in, uh, many of them anyway, are going to be in this cynical space. And and you can actually harness uh, cynicism for good. Let me, for you freak out. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, uh, here's something I noticed when my wife and I were, uh, planning out our wedding, we would travel to our friend's weddings and they would, uh, they would, they would have their, their ceremony. And then we would spend hours, you know, driving home in the car away from that wedding, thinking about our own and saying, when we get married, it'll never be like this. And we're never going to do that. And these are people we even loved and cared about and respected. (laughs) But we were like, I'm never going to do this at the wedding. And this is never going to happen. And we're going to make sure it doesn't go like this and that. And uh, as we got closer to our wedding, though, it had to turn into something positive, not something we weren't going to do, right? but something we were going to do. And I noticed that that we had to make a conscious shift in order to move past that what we don't want part. Um, and and there's, a, there's a little exercise that I get uh, church plants to do, which is to think about themselves as having succeeded in planting their church. Hmm. And what I do is I get them to uh, imagine, okay, now what I want you to imagine is someone who has come into your church and... Uh, and the rules of the game are they can't, uh, they have to be orthodox in their Christian faith and they have to be moral people. So how could a moral person who is orthodox in their Christian faith, how can they screw everything up in this church plant? And that, it takes a few minutes for people to kind of warm up, but it brings that cynicism and it brings that, um, some of those negative, here's what I don't want to be impulses to the surface. And then what I say is, okay, now let's look for themes. Let's look for patterns in in this negative energy. Uh, and then spend some time thinking about, well, what is the opposite of this? If we don't want to be X kind of community, then what does a new kind of community that lives into the values we actually want to be a part of? And that's part of the way that I help church plants figure out what their calling is, because I think there's something unique that every church plant is trying to achieve. But if they get stuck in that place of, this is what I don't want to be, it is really negative fuel to try to run your church plant on for a long time. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Or have you ever had those kinds of feelings or ever had to wrestle with that? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed in some of the church plants that I've seen um, over the years, um, and uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert like you are when it comes to this stuff, but I would say that I've noticed that people who set themselves up, sometimes I've seen this happen, uh, but people who set themselves up as um, um, come here because you can wrestle through your 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 faith and your doubts uh, come mm-hmm. here because you can um uh you know you can question things openly here this is a safe place to uh to wrestle with belief and unbelief it's a place that you can question right. it's a place that you can have authentic conversations that um you know you c- couldn't have or um a place to be honest i feel like when they set that up as a goal and it's an amazing wonderful goal yeah. that they then struggle to set themselves up as a place of like well, here you can be healed. 
here you can you can um, seek God's presence, and you, you might actually find it. You can yeah. be um, you can be moved in ways that you never imagined. Here, you can find healing through community. You can find relational you know relational connections that you you could never imagine. I feel like sometimes, and I don't know if it's dualistic thinking, but I feel like sometimes we create spaces intentionally, maybe unintentionally, where it's almost like those two things can't exist in the same place, or or at least they don't. You might start like a a church plant where it's safe to ask questions and to face your doubts, which is is a real, and it's an important part of the Christian faith. And then you could set up a church that wants to be positive and wants to lean into the things of God and get to know him better and and the, the the two of them that is an important part of the Christian faith as well but if you do the positive stuff to the exclusion of the negative stuff you're not being realistic about what it's like to be a person following God but if you only focus on the negative stuff and you never invite people into healing and wholeness in Jesus then something totally goes missing I mean, I noticed this on parenting blogs and things like this, and it's mm. it's uh, it's a weird little trend. That's it's sort of like a, there's this sort of like sense of um, uh, I'm a mess, you're a mess, um, you know, my kids are a mess, my marriage is a mess, uh, I'm a mess, and it's all this kind of messy transparency that I always appreciate because it's nice to know that there are other people who struggle just like me. But there's something also kind of weird in half of the gospel about the I'm a mess, you're a mess, we're all a mess, it's all a mess. Because if it's I'm a mess and you're a mess and it's all a mess, then what is the point of what Jesus did? How does that even, how does that function? I don't, I'm not even sure what I'm saying here, but it's, it's just a, a trend that I notice Um it's something I see on Facebook all the time. It's something I see in blog posts where people almost revel in their brokenness. And does that make sense? It does. What do you think about that? No, I mean, I uh, I have to admit I haven't read any parenting blogs in the last while, but uh, I, I see that. I see that in the church. I see that in peer groups and in family. I see that um, that either or kind of mentality. And it's like I want I want to say to people, um, stop acting like you don't have doubts because, of course, you do. But yes. also stop acting like God's not doing something in your life because right. he is. Like stop stop pretending on either one of those spectrums because um, you know I am uh, prone to be a more positive person and see see you know life through rose colored glasses but i think that there's we need we need both people at the table and if all of the people who rally around these doubts and these wrestling if they stay to the side in their own camp just like if these more not positive but people who are sensing god up to something and um um feeling this positive thing feeling like you know jesus is doing something i'm transformed i'm not the same person i was before if they all kind of stay in one camp over here then we miss we miss the full picture of the body of christ because we need both people at the table we need both sets of people coming together and um wrestling together through the good and wrestling together through the doubts, not just um, at the exclusion of, uh, of one another. So I, th- I, I would like to see more people come together in those moments of struggling with cynical thoughts or cynicism, but also see people come together who've said, you know what, I've been there and here's, there's hope on the other side of that. 
Yeah. Like, like, you know, you don't have to be afraid to say that you're doubting, but you actually don't have to be afraid to say, whoa, I think the spirit's up to something. Like it's this, um, it's that to me is actually authentic transparency. It's not just auth- authenticity when we talk about our cr- our crap. It's actually mm-hmm. authentic when we say, we talk about the joys too. When we talk about um, the things that God is doing in our lives, the things that we are sensing, the growth that we're seeing. I think it's that is the full picture of the body of Christ at work. Uh, that's cool because uh, you know. One church plant that I, I, I'm connected with uh, for a long time, um, and this was this was something that they were very proud of. They would say things like "Come as you are," and and that's something so important that churches need to communicate to the world around them is is "Come as you are." And uh, but what's interesting is this church plant said we had to complete that sentence right. Not just come as you are, but consider leaving differently. And that's been a major problem for me. Like my cynicism has got to the point, L, where, where I have, I have uh, questioned whether God does anything anymore. And when God did communicate with me, I would feel embarrassed about it. Right. I'd feel like, like I don't want to tell anybody this because they'll think I'm some fakey fake Pollyanna Christian, which is stupid and weird. That's weird that I would, uh, um, when God would be a foot in my life and do something powerful for me, that I'd be ashamed of telling other people and that they would be like, uh, I don't know, uh, dismissive of it in a way. You know, it reminds me of this C.S. Lewis quote in The Abolition of Man where he said, he talked about people who see through things. He said, you can't go on, quote unquote, seeing through things forever. The whole Mm -hmm. point of seeing through something is to see something through it. Hmm. To see through all things is the same as to not see at all. Hmm. And like, for me, that became um, a really important uh, piece for me. I was I think there are things that we can see through in the church. I think there are things that we do that are inherently false or, in, or we are inherently pretending, but we can't uh, we can't just live there. You can't see through things forever. You have to see past. You have to get beyond this deconstruction, get beyond this cynicism to because you can't sustain a community on on this principle. God has to actually be entering into our story and be telling us the truth. Um so it for me it's it's uh it's something that I've really struggled with because because the 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 um my desire to see through uh is to it, it comes from this desire for the truth. But it's just somehow not the whole truth. Does that does that make sense? It does make sense. I I just think of all the people I know who have gone through this struggle and who have um who have come to the place where they realize that faith and doubt are great dance partners, and mm. they can exist together. They can exist um, 
yeah, they can exist together. And I, I think the imbalance happens when we put our weight too far on one side or the other. But it's somehow having this balanced approach. I, um, during one of my most cynical times with the church, when I actually wasn't uh, attending anywhere, um, I had a mentor um, ask me to make a list of the people who I admired the most and asked me if I could to describe people who would have said that they were a people of faith, Christ followers. And I wrote the list down and then they asked me to describe the characteristics about them that I admired the most. And I wrote those down. And what that mentor said to me was, um, is there anything on that list? Or is there any word on that list like cynicism or judgmental or angry or jaded? Um, and of course, the answer was no. Um, the things on that list uh, were, you know, people who um, were full of love and light and forgiveness, who lived their lives to the best of their ability with integrity and compassion. And so the encouragement that uh, that mentor gave to me was uh, kind of, you know, go and do like likewise, you know, go mm. and, and try, you know, if that's. You know, I don't want it to sound too self-helpy, but at the same at the same time, I, it was very poignant moment for me to say the people who I most admire that are about this, you know, what about what God's about, that are up to something in the world, that are um, living lives um, that I admire. They don't have those predominant characteristics of jadedness, cynicism, anger, doubting. Um, they have some other other traits, and so um, I think that was a really important thing for me when I think about wanting to let this spirit of God transform me and my heart and and to be with me on this journey and to be serving and loving God. Um, it is so hard to do that when your heart is angry and when you are upset. It's not that it can't happen. I mean, I don't want to make a generalization, but it is, uh, it is difficult because, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it done very well of a, a really angry jaded, cynical person loving Jesus to the best of their ability, or more so being able to receive everything that God has, because I think that that's when, you know, the Spirit shows up in such powerful ways, but He doesn't leave us there. Uh, you know, there's this really cheesy quote, it's like, Jesus loves you so much, you can kind of, that idea of like, Jesus loves you just as you are, but He's not content to let you stay there. S super cheesy line. But there is some truth to that. You know, cliches are cliches because there's some truth in there. And that is the truth that, you know, when you open yourself up to that and say, okay, I, you know, I want to grow and, and change as a person. I want to live this life of love. I want to live a life modeled after Jesus. Well, then that journey is going to be a journey, yes, of grace, yes, of authenticity, but it is also going to be one of, of transformation. And it's very rare that I would say that Jesus would come and transform us into an angry, cynical, bitter person. I think he wants to transform us into people of love and people of acceptance and people uh, who are on mission. Hmm. But that's just my soapbox rant on cynicism. <laughs> but you know what? For me, I think, I think there are seasons to this. Um, and I think, it, I think the challenge here is that when the seasons never change for you, that this becomes a really right. serious uh, a problem. I, I often think like my life with Jesus has often been like a wrestling match or that I'm sitting on one side of the teeter totter. And then he has to put weight on the opposite side to bring some balance into my life. Um, and so when I'm cynical, um, I find uh, people profoundly irritating 
who are, uh, right. <laughs> you know, having genuine experiences of God. And it is, it has been a genuine problem for me because I, I've, I've been dismissive of them, uh, in a, in a way that's, that's totally inappropriate. But on the other side of things, sometimes when I get into the mentality that everything's going great, that I'm actually not paying attention to reality as well. And so I find that there's, a, there's sort of seasons to this or that, that God may be trying to balance me out in some way by saying, all right, th- this is where you're at and let's bring just a little bit more balance to this by putting maybe equal or opposite weight on me hmm. on this other side. Um, I don't experience balance very long. I see it every time I swing by it. Um, but it is, uh, it is um, it's something that I notice God does for me. It's, it's sometimes the opposite of how I feel right now is actually where I need to be. Or some, maybe it's just because I'm so extreme that, that I don't have any uh, settings in the middle. I'm either a zero or a 10. Uh, but with cynicism... Uh, I think there is a reality to it. I think there's a truth-telling impulse mm-hmm. behind it. Um, but I also feel like it's only part of the story. I don't I know. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. And I love that idea of it being seasons because I, I do think that we need even, you know, how do I say it? The best way to probably say it is five years ago, I was not the same person that I am today. At least I mm-hmm. hope I haven't tricked myself to believe that. But I Me really, too. truly believe I'm sure. not that same person. And so when you look through seasons of your life, you are going to see those seasons. But I think it's like you said, it's it's not camping there. It's not setting up a tent and saying, we're going to camp on this spot forever here. It's knowing that, yes, you wrestle, you struggle, you fight, you learn, but then you grow and you love and you experience this joy and this peace and, and, and you go back through it. And I think that probably is why Jesus is, you know, super wise telling us not to judge one another because you never know what season people are in, what they're experiencing. Um, he never promises us this, uh, even though I think it's ideals that we should seek to have in our life, he never promises that life won't, you know, will be void of struggle. It's going to be there. Um, and as tragedy and suffering happens, it, there are times where it's going to be difficult, but there's something so beautiful, beautiful with still trying to have our eyes on Jesus during that, um, even through the difficulty, even when we don't even know if we buy this whole Jesus story. Like, mm-hmm. I've been there mm-hmm. before, and I know uh, many people who have been, but there's just something beautiful about still trying to look for the positive, still trying to see um, the grace and the goodness um, in no, whatever season that you are in. So cynicism. It's got some good qualities in that I think it's about truth-telling. I think it's, it's about realism. I think uh, it, it enables us to see through um, and to not construct a false mask or a false self where everything is perfect, mm-hmm. a Facebook self if you want. Um, but I also think that uh, cynicism has this negative and corrosive effect. And if you plant a church out of cynicism, out of trying to see through and, and, and to, to uh, um, push beyond 
sort of the Pollyanna Christianity, I think it can also lead to some pretty negative spaces. And that's why I think this is this is where we need uh, Jesus at the center, the Spirit communicating with us and helping us to think these things through together. And that's why I think it's almost like we're a body, L, where yep. we need hands and we need feet. We need we need cynical people to lament, to call out, to demand better, to uh, to resist easy satisfaction. But I also feel like we need people who uh, experience and express joy and hope and and buoyancy and um, optimism for what God can actually do. So, uh, you know, and what a beautifully compelling picture of Jesus and the church that would be, should we ever achieve that? <laughs> would be great. That would be great. Really, though, it would be it would be incredible, and that is I I'm going to hope that and pray that for the Canadian church. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I I think we shouldn't try to live our life beyond. I mean, cynicism in, is inherently a negative word, but but to allow us the truth telling, the reality, the not easily satisfied side of us, with the hopeful and the peaceful and the loving side of us. These have to come together, and I think uh, we need um, more good conversations about this to do this well. Agreed. I'm sold. All right. So cynicism, positive sides, and some negative sides, uh, according to Jared and Al. Indeed. Thank you for listening to our ramblings on cynicism. We hope it provided at least some food for thought or some encouragement, or maybe you're terribly angry with us. But either way, we'd love to hear from you. So you can send us a message, connect with us through our Facebook page, the New Leaf Network. Send us an email, info at newleafnetwork.ca. Cynicism, hope, doubt, faith, all that stuff. We want to be a place where we discuss it all, the good, the bad, the ugly. So connect with us, riff with us. We would love to dialogue with you on this. Maybe we totally missed the mark. You can tell us that. Or if you really like this, you can tell us that too. We're open to either side of, of the spectrum. So connect with us. We would love to dialogue with you about this. So thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us. It is the New Leaf Project. My name is Elle. And I'm Jared. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.